Welcome to Legends from the Hill, the Franciscan University Alumni Podcast, where I talk to alumni about their candid experiences as students and what they're doing in life now. Here in Season 3, we look forward to hearing from alumni across the globe about how Franciscan University has impacted their life and the lives of people around them. I'm your host, Christy Fleming, Class of 2010 and Director of Alumni Relations at Franciscan. Thanks for joining Legends from the Hill podcast. Today, we welcome Liz Miller to the podcast. Liz is a 2010 graduate from Franciscan. She went on to get her law degree in international law and human rights. Recently, she started a nonprofit for anti-human trafficking. We're excited to hear more about how Liz got to this place and what her experience at Franciscan was like. Liz, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Christy. It's great to be here. It's so good to see you. Can you, we have so much to talk about, so many (laughs) exciting things. So can you take us back to tell us where are you from and how did you choose to come to Franciscan to study? Sure, yeah. Um, I'm from North Carolina. And actually, so there's seven of us from my family who came to to, uh, Franciscan. I'm the youngest. Uh, So, I mean, I didn't choose it just because of that. Um, But... uh, when my siblings started coming here, it really, when they came back, they were like completely different people. <laughs> they mm-hmm. were like actually nice and kind and loving and mm-hmm. and just really a huge transformation. Um, and so then when I visited here, when they were here, it was, it was just really hit me really strong. Um, just the uh, incredible, just the, the people too were just super fun and super awesome, but super kind and loving and, and cared about their faith. And uh, I was a little bit of a rebel in high school, so I, I kind of wanted something that was uh, straightforward um, mm. and uh, and good. So uh, yeah, so I, I kind of knew early on in in high school, and then I, I attended um, youth conferences mm-hmm. that really I where I kind of met Christ and mm-hmm. and really hit me really um, kind of helped my um, yeah my faith in my life. And so yeah, I I just wanted to be here. Yeah, that's awesome. And did you know what you wanted to study when you came here? Or did you figure all that out once you got here? Yeah, well, I had an idea, but then I changed. So uh, I studied theology because I wanted to know more about my faith. It was just personal for me. Um, And I... um, uh, I figured in my mind, I was like, well, okay, so Franciscan is known for their theological professors and like, that's the best, like, I'm going to study what's the best at the university, right? Mm-hmm. So that, and then I studied communications. I started in communications because I used to make like films and, and things like that and oh. uh, growing up and in high school for extra credit, like so much fun with my friends and editing, like hours and hours of editing just because it was, mm-hmm. you know, they still show one of my uh, movies to the kids uh, in high school from my high school. Oh, and, very cool. Yeah, super fun. So um, I just, that was what I wanted to do. So I started studying it here. But I, f- after the first year, realized that um, kind of based on specifically what I did, what I want to do with making movies, that the degree here wasn't exactly what would fit that. And so I took a semester off also just for my own like personal kind of figure out what I, what I really wanted to do and knew that when I came back, that I wanted to, I was law school was something I wanted to do. And the philosophy here, and I loved philosophy, I knew was again, like one of the best, it was awesome. And so I was like, you know, let me study that. That's I did some research, it was a great undergrad for law school to prepare you for the LSAT and prepare you for all these other things. So uh, I switched my major to that and then, yeah, 
did that and loved it. Oh, wow. You really had a plan. You were yeah. very <laughs> prepared coming into college. Yeah, I... Uh, yeah, I, I just, I think being the youngest of 12, you tend to, uh, it, was, it was a little chaotic growing up. So you had to kind <laughs> of take care of yourself and figure things out. And I remember, I actually have a story of a professor from here who we went to, um, it was really awesome. And actually that what like catapulted me into the work that I do now is we went to the United Nations at the Commission on the Status of Women um, to lobby for pro-life, pro-family um, ideas uh, at the at the um commission meeting conference kind of from people from all over the world looking at the status of women in the world and how to help it hmm. um and it was huge for me but it was really awesome but anyways i have this story like we get there and uh so we're at the un and i think i was like 19 you know it was like my second year so i was still pretty young mm -hmm. and uh <laughs> we like dr skarnecki is taking us around and we go to the and we're supposed to meet up at like the cafeteria at some time, but then he's just giving us free reign to like go wherever and do whatever. Wow. And so I like, he says that and I go like, w and then we're supposed to just disperse. And so I go to him and I'm like, okay, here, where's the cafeteria? Like, show me where it is because like, I don't want to get left or lost, which has happened when I was a kid. Aww. So I was like, I need to make sure I'm where I'm supposed to be. So yeah, so I, I always kind of have a plan to make sure that like things are, you know, gonna work out. Yeah, that's amazing. What a cool experience to do that at 19 though. And get that, that exposure. Huge. Yeah, it was huge. It was huge. It was. I still remember too. That really helped me. Um, I we we just we would have lunch in the cafeteria at the UN, and so there are most of the people there. There's some people from NGOs, but mostly it's like delegates from different countries. And I'm mm -hmm. sitting at lunch with a delegate from Mexico, and we're talking about. And I was like, "How do I get where you are?" Like, I really like. There were so many awesome things. And mm -hmm. I was like, "I really love this. Like, this is the environment I want to be in. I feel like really at, like at home here." Hmm. And she's so she was giving me advice about like studying languages and doing all these different things. Uh, not that I took all the the <laughs> advice, but it was really yeah, it was huge. It yeah, was huge. So. that's amazing. Okay, so going back to Franciscan, you're studying uh, theology and philosophy, and what what was student life experience for you like? What what did you get involved in? What was life on campus as a student for you? Yeah, it was uh, it was great. I was very I was at that time. I mean, I kind of. I think Franciscan uh, chilled me in a lot of ways, but I, I had like my whole day was scheduled, you know, in the beginning when I first wow. came, like every minute. Um, and then after maybe a couple of years, I, I chilled in that way. But um, so I was, I did a lot of different things. At first I played soccer, which was awesome. So I came early and also um, because of my siblings who had worked for uh, De Fatula at uh, doing events, I had started working before I even started classes. Oh, so yeah, so I came two weeks early, was playing soccer and working, um, which was really cool to kind of get like mm -hmm. be on campus for everybody else. And then, um, <clears throat> but uh, I played for the first semester and then I didn't play, or first year and then I didn't play anymore. Um, but so I was doing that, uh, working. I got involved, so I was living first on lower campus and then I was in uh, Kobe Claire. Mm -hmm. So I started praying like a lot with, I I had the Pieta book, which I think a lot of people maybe have had. Mm -hmm. And I used to pray a lot of the prayers in there. And uh, um, there was night prayer for the Totus Tuus um, household on my wing. And so I used to go pray with them because they were like praying the same prayers I was praying. Mm -hmm. And like the Lord was really leading me into like community, which is something I went to public high school. So 
my faith was always like apologetics and fighting, you know, mm-hmm. not fighting, but like arguing. And it wasn't really like, I didn't have that community, especially with women. Cause all my guys are all my friends in high school were guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it always was really awesome. So I used to pray with them a lot and, and people started asking us like, are you going to join? You know? And I was like, no, I don't do households. Like, not me. <laughs> like my older siblings didn't do households and it wasn't, I'm not a, I don't like, like, isolating myself to a specific group of people Mm -hmm. i like to be part of everybody so i didn't want to like just do that but um over time and just these and they were really women that i respected like in my um the girls that i played soccer with that were in totus to us um and just it was just beautiful being with them and so i ended up joining them which was really awesome yeah some of my best friends from from them from uh totus to us and uh yeah so you know household life working um and then when i stopped doing uh um soccer club it was club at that time mm-hmm. um we i did intramural sports mm-hmm. um uh flag football and <clears throat> soccer indoor soccer super fun and uh yeah i didn't get involved in any of like the ministries off campus so much um uh i know we did solidarity which you started the club which was awesome that was another thing that really helped me and i think kind of give me experience in what i ended up doing and what I do now, but like learning about, I remember one session specifically, I think someone came in and talked about um, child, the military, um, what is it called? Yeah, there's like child a, army and, yeah, and child Africa. soldiers, child soldiers mm-hmm. and how they get them young. Like that yeah. really, that really hit me <clears throat> and helped me to start understanding and seeing kind of what we think about, like the bigger things that happen in the world or <clears throat> human rights issues and things like that what are our perspectives and what really is happening and how do these, how is it controlled by certain people and, and things like that. Um, yeah. And I got student government my last year, which also kind of mm-hmm. helped a little bit in law school for what I do, but um, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And friends and <clears throat> a lot of prayer. I, uh, which is what I needed. Uh, mm-hmm. Franciscan was really like a retreat for me. Um, four years of just study, awesome study and people and mentors and prayer and friends and like, it was awesome. And I had a lot. Of, I, though, in the beginning, like, wasn't so much just like, oh, oh, Franciscan, you're all like, this is the best in the world. Like, I actually wanted to leave okay. <laughs> after my first year. Yeah. Because I was like, everybody's so like, it was just it wasn't what I was used to. For yeah. high school, especially the guys just say like, they were like, <laughs> like, this is just very different. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a culture shock. There's if you're sure. not used to that. Yeah. I also came from public school. So okay. I get that. It's a culture shock. Yeah, yeah. And you think that there's maybe something wrong with these people, <laughs> but then you realize like, no, actually, you're you're the you're the problem. There's right. nothing wrong with you. Exactly. I had the exact same experience. Yeah. 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 So <clears throat> but I had people who said, you know, were really awesome and said things like cherish what you have here. You know, I almost went to Costa Rica after my first year to study Spanish. I was like, I gotta get out. Like I can't, I can't stay here. And mm-hmm. I always have these desires for something bigger and out there. And I still have that. I still have to control that. <laughs> but um but yeah, so uh I it was just when I finally just like delved in fully, mm-hmm. um, it really was huge because I needed to be able to like go to the depths of um myself like and heal and and know who i was and and change the like especially studying philosophy and theology Mm -hmm. and preparing for what i in law school and everything but like that um the need for total like understanding of 
what do I think? What are my beliefs on things? What are my thoughts? What are the lies that I've grown up with that I've believed? What is true? What is not? Like, in order to grapple with with difficult concepts and ideas mm-hmm. and be able to then also be able to articulate them. And it really was like just a transformation from inside out. And mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, prayer was huge. Um, a lot of time of prayer. I don't get that time anymore. But Right. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you really built a strong foundation to grow from and then to be able to influence and change the world from. So that's exciting. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, it was good. It was, it was honestly, it like saved my life and then not only saved my, my life, but then also transformed me into, you know, allows me to be who I am today. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wow. Okay, so tell us about today. You are moving and shaking and doing incredible things. So tell us how you got um, there and what is happening in your world today. Yeah, so um, I... We'll see. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's like an everyday, it's an everyday adventure. Um, I, I'm working, um, I started an organization for fighting human trafficking. Um, it's currently, I'm in North Carolina, um, doing that, the work there. Um, I, uh, I w- end up going to law school. So I, um, un- when I was at Franciscan, I was, I studied a lot under Dr. Lee. The bi- in bioethics, because I love bioethics. Um, and uh, after studying philosophy and, and trying to find, uh, I know we had said this earlier, but like Dr. Seifert in, uh, in Austria, she was my metaphysics and uh, ethics professor. And she, it, her classes were awesome. Uh, they were really helped me a lot in understanding, just like, giving a different perspective on the world, especially because she's Austrian. And and like I remember talking about like, um, uh, the monarchy, because like we grow up thinking democracy is the best mm-hmm. thing in the world, you know. But like she talks about monarchy, I was like, oh, like that's actually could be a cool thing. But um, anyway, she like helped me to see like maybe you should do something a little more practical uh, with your intellect. Like try to focus on. Uh, um, uh, so she suggested bioethics. So that kind of brought me into um, a lot of opportunities for studying under some of the incredible minds of. Um, that Dr. Lee was connected with and conferences and different things. And they were all lawyers, uh, which I found out even though they were ethicists, Hmm. they went to law school. And Dr. Finnis, who's one of the top natural law theorists in the world, like we studied him in law school. Hmm. Um, I went up to him after a talk he gave and like his mind was brilliant. And I was like, I just want to think like you. Like, Mm -hmm. how do I become like you? And uh, so I was like, what? I was like, I'm looking at doing my master's and or my my master's in bioethics or should I go to law school? And law school, like I said earlier, had been kind of my plan. Mm -hmm. But, you know, being here for four years and other ideas, I wanted to be, you know, I was thinking about a lot. Yeah, things things change. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he said, go to law school. He said, because you can use that if it's a doctorate and then you can go on to get it'll also work as a master's for any other doctoral program that you want to do. And it has also helped in a lot of ways. So that was the idea. Um, uh, and kind of I took that. And there were a lot of other things because I still I ended up teaching uh, at a Catholic school afterwards. Because another story I was in. Uh, so Dr. Karnakia, again, like I said earlier, had just brought me in, into a, the world of the international realm and human rights. And I don't remember how. I think I saw him in New York City or something. I was at something. I can't remember. But he invited me. Actually, we were at the Cathedral of St. Patrick's by the statue of Our Lady, the Pieta. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember exactly. Aww. And I was kneeling before Our Lady. I love the Pieta. And I got up and I turned around and he was there. And I don't remember why he wow. was there. And I think we were there for the maybe another UN because I went later again, I think. And he goes, he goes, 
well, you, do you want to go to Rome with, I'm taking a group of 10 law students from Ave Maria because mm. he taught at the law school there. Do you want to go with us? And I was like, sure, yeah. So, um, which was crazy. My brother was getting ordained when I was supposed to be going and I was like, I can't miss. And I was like, I told yeah. my brother, I was like, I really think I'm supposed to go to Rome. And he was like, so upset. He's like, you cannot <laughs> miss my ordination. It's like a marriage, like a wedding. Like yeah. you can't miss it. So I was like, oh shoot, I can't go. But then it ended up, um, uh, the ch- the trip changed, which was crazy. So I ended up going to Rome, um, and studying at the Pontifical Council for like ten days. Really incredible wow. experience, it, and like in all different ways. And we're sitting in a piazza, like dr- uh, I don't whatever, um, eating. And Dr. Scarnecchi was like, "You should go to law- you should come to Ave for law." And and I was like, "I don't know, I'm not sure. Like I don't, I don't know if I want to go there or what I want to do, or whatever." And he like calls Ave Maria on the on the call oh on the gosh. phone, right? And he like hands me to the admissions office. He's like, "Here." You're gonna go. Oh like my I, and I was like, no, and I was I was pretty headstrong. I was like, no, I'm not going to. So I like hung up. I said hello and said no, <laughs> and then hung up the phone. But I did end up going. So uh, I went to law school um, and to a school that focuses on international law and human rights. Um, wow. And then uh, through there, the um, oh the, the school doesn't. They the school is just general law school, but they have. A specific track. I mean, when you go to law school, everybody studies the same thing mm-hmm. throughout the country. But you can do extra classes. So mm-hmm. I did a specific focus on human rights and international law. And then I went to, um, uh, uh, they have a Center for Global Justice there. And through them was able to get a grant to work for an NGO in Strasbourg, um, Strasbourg France. Wow. Which was really awesome because of what was going on. That was like the summer of 2013. The Man of Porto movement, nobody really knows about it in the U.S. because the media doesn't allow for, well, they just don't show everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had to do with, um, I don't know. If we, uh, so when the U, when right before, um, so this two years before a burger fell, but a year before a burger fell, uh, the French government legalized homosexual marriage and um, adoption. And the French people went out by the millions mm. against it and protesting in the streets in Paris. Mm. And uh, the French government sent out armed guards against them and were dragging priests through the streets, spraying Mm. families with tear gas, like craziness. And so my organization, which had status at the United Nations, the one I was working for, and uh, the European Parliament opened a case against France at the UN. Mm. And we were translating pieces of testimonies of individuals from... uh, that were arrested and it, anyways there was a conference actually i was just in france last week and uh i went and stopped by and said hello and and the guy i was working with us ended up sending me a video of a conference that they had at parliament and you can see like me in the background it was really funny but anyway mm-hmm. so they had a uh, um a conference on it and and all these different things uh and anyways we were working there were so many other things too going on it was really incredible um so it it was a yeah an awesome experience um, and then, so I was planning on staying abroad because I really wanted to focus, stay um, in Europe. And I took the New York bar in order to do that. But then my mom got sick. Uh, she got a brain tumor. And so we didn't know if she was going to, um, if she was going to make it. But it was actually a, a miraculous healing and a Friday mm. in Lent. Um, yeah, she had the best brain surgeon in the world because um, my father's a physician and then our connections and uh, brain surgeon that we know in, in North Carolina. And... Uh, um, he's like, I can't save you. You're going to die within six months. Mm. It's this like very rare, whatever. So we, um, yeah, it was really hard. My last semester of law school. So I, um, I ended up changing my plans, deciding to stay in the country just because like 
you know, stay near family. Mm-hmm. And she actually, though, was healed miraculously. Um, wow. So it changed, well, or it changed, or or he was completely wrong. Literally the best brain right. surgeon. So, because um, she's still alive. She's still, I know. I Amazing. mean, she, you know, some consequences, but um, mm. yeah, anyway. So that because of that, I was in D.C. So I decided to say so. The closest to international realm I could get was like, okay, Washington, D.C. Um, and there I ended up working for a law firm, um, uh, just doing general practice of law. But I was getting involved in the human trafficking realm, the anti-human trafficking realm, uh, and the domestic side. Oh, and I, So I had learned about human trafficking while in law school through the center that I was working at, like the summits that we did mm-hmm. on human trafficking. And then when I was traveling abroad, I would see it a lot, mm-hmm. and I didn't understand what I was seeing. And then I took a course on it mm-hmm. in law school and really understanding mostly the international side. Um, and but you know human rights i was studying all of it um but i just kept seeing it it kept being in my face all the Mm -hmm. time and so when i was in dc and then i got plugged in to um the uh nicosi which is the national center on sexual uh, sexual exploitation um i started just learning from and like encountering um training in anti-human the domestic side and it was in my face all the time. Like I couldn't get out. Every Mm. time I tried something else, like I was doing general practice law, I started studying at uh, John Paul II Institute, uh, working kind of towards my bioethics Mm -hmm. degree, um, all these different things. It would just, it would, it would always be there. And Mm. I kept meeting people in the realm, um, fighting human trafficking. Like for instance, the legal counsel for Nicosi, which is a huge organization, ended up being one of the only Catholic, other Catholics that was at my law school my year. Oh, wow. Who was a fr- someone I knew, you know? And I was like, that's crazy. That's just so random because mm-hmm. it had been years after that. And um, I ended up going to um, training. So I, uh, yeah, so I ended up going to a training in New York City with Rachel Lloyd, who's also like a, a forerunner for the anti-human trafficking in the U.S. She was trafficked in Europe, ended up coming to the U.S., got her master's and started helping kids on the streets in New York City. And she was instrumental. She got an award from Bush, um, in, mm. but she was instrumental in the laws changing on prostitution in New York, sta- in New York, which actually I think just reversed, mm. unfortunately. But, um, and so we were at, I was at a training with her and like we were in this little, uh, and we were in Manhattan, but we were in like this tiny room in the basement of a, one of the skyscrapers. And like, like there were like, 10 of us to an eight person table and like the the presentation was super old but like people most of the people were from organizations from new york city some from other places in the country but like what she shared was like incredible like two days of training like Hmm. details like her she wrote a book called um it's a memoir but it's called uh, girls like us and it's I mean, if you want to know about domestic human trafficking, you should read that. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. in her love still and her compassion for Hmm. for people even though like the people that perpetuate this mm-hmm. crime and this horror um, is really incredible. So when I was there, God had already put it on my heart, but I really felt called to um, to kind of make it more of a focus in my life and to start my own organization because the need was so great. I was looking and I was I started had started applying for jobs at different organizations, but it wasn't really, I was like, when you, you don't make any money and I had bills and I was like, also like this, there's so much need. There's mm-hmm. so much need. I don't want to just like, okay, I'm going to help you write grants or I'm going to help over here. Like God had kept giving me these visions of like, as I was learning and being and trained and like learning from survivors, learning from the top uh, individuals in this, like what was needed mm-hmm. and it were a lot of prayer. And, and, and so uh, I kind of just, 
yeah, I mean, there's a lot there. There are a lot of other things that happened about why I ended up taking that leap. It was mm-hmm. God made it pretty clear. He usually has to do that for me. But mm-hmm. um, and so I just jumped in and and withdrew from my uh, program. I finished the semester and then I moved to North Carolina because also God had showed me that North Carolina is what the my organization is focusing on, which I think is the the first aspect of helping victims of human trafficking is they need a place to go. And there's no, um, there's very few homes for minors in the United States that that actually provide the healing um, and the space that they need. And throughout my life, I've had that. I've had just places like Franciscan, and then I, I actually forgot to mention, but I, I spent a lot of time with the community of St. John, which is a French order that one of my best friends from campus, from uh, uh, Totus joined. And I studied with them. I spent so much time with them. And they just welcomed me into their community and allowed me, during the times that I needed kind of like a respite mm-hmm. to be able to figure out my life, they allowed that for me. Mm-hmm. And I know how necessary that is. Let Set aside, just for us, nor, like who have a you know, typically normal life, but when you've been a victim of a horrible crime and the horrible uh, atrocities that have happened to you, you cannot move forward in life, and we can't expect you to, if you do not aren't able to heal. And so we have you have to have a space for that. And the Lord kept teaching me that and recognize that. And so um, North Carolina, even though I never planned on returning to the state, it's just not. It doesn't have the pace that I typically work <laughs> at, and it's very uh, you know my family's there, but um, and it's beautiful, so much good, but it just wasn't you know kind of in my. Uh, plan uh, that that was the place that was the best place for this home and the community was so it's so community oriented it's so they they live at a different pace they really do Mm -hmm. and so I moved back to North Carolina and just got like a you know a job to pay the bills and focused on starting in this organization and and the work to establish this home so wow that's amazing that was very long is there a (laughs) um, website or where could we find more information about what you're doing sure yeah uh it's, you know, it needs to be updated in some ways. But uh, so the organization is called, it, it's long, a name, International Organization for Stopping Exploitation of Women. And I'm thinking about potentially changing it, shortening it. But uh, yes, so the website is iosew.org, iosew.org. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't put a lot, everything I do on there mm-hmm. because a lot of the stuff I don't like to be, um, I don't like to be the forefront of the news mm-hmm. because I've seen so much of what happens when you get right. a lot of attention in this realm. Mm-hmm. So I and certain things you don't want to share. So mm-hmm. you may see like I, I don't do a lot of updates um, on like the specifics. Mm-hmm. It's mostly more the mission and we do events and, mm-hmm. and things like that. And I'll, you know, I'll think about potentially putting more of it, but maybe a newsletter sure. or something specific if people want to know. But um, just because of the, you know, human trafficking is about. Uh, it's a criminal enterprise, so mm-hmm. there's people who are want it to continue and don't want people to not help uh, mm-hmm. want to help uh, stop it. So uh, try not to publicize everything. Right. So can you give us maybe a a soundbite of what should the general population know or be aware of when it comes to domestic uh, trafficking? Yeah, so uh, domestic trafficking looks very different than international. Um, I don't know if you've seen Sound of Freedom, but Mm -hmm. um, that's international human trafficking. So if you're looking for a, uh, if you're walking through the streets, one, I'll say you've seen it and you just don't know that you've seen it. Um, And because you don't know what you're looking for or what you're looking at. And sometimes maybe in those times when you're like, oh, that something strikes you weird about a relationship or something that you see between people in the airport or um, on the streets, uh, 
you know, maybe there's something more there. So um, domestic, rather than looking for someone who is cowering in a corner and hiding or like has uh, bruises on their wrist from being chained or things like that, it's the, the way they control their victims is through mind control, which um, meaning that sounds very like science fiction. Um, we're talking about the ability to kind of influence someone's uh, way of thinking and and through there's there's many ways to do that but um there are not many ways there's specific ways to do that but a fear is part of that uh, trauma bonding all of those things but they they control their victims um, and also they use drugs uh, is a huge and substance use to to again to control them as well and they force addictions on them um, you know kidnap they'll you know hold them down and and put certain uh, drugs into their system, oh, and uh, yeah, so that they become addicted. Um, but it's the people, the people that you potentially would look on the streets and say, "Oh, like wow, that I, I won't use the terms that people would use about uh, prostitution or, or people mm-hmm. who are selling themselves or the way that they dress." You know, um, that, oh, they're super provocative and all these things, like um, or different different things like that. Ninety percent of prostitutes uh, were trafficked into the into it. Um, people, women don't just sell themselves. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's not a natural thing. It's mm-hmm. not like an idea that it's not. Oh yeah, I want to. I grow up to be a prostitute and sell my body and mm-hmm. have men use me in these ways. You know, like this is the career path. Yeah. No. 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 Absolutely not. And so, I think the most important thing for people to know is that you need to look differently at like. Um, at the individuals uh, that potentially you think in this realm, like this, because we have to stop looking at, oh, there are girls like that. There are women like that. Oh, there's the women that are suitable for marriage and those, are those that are, no, suitable for not other things. Like, that is not reality. The only reason that those girls are in that or women are in that is because they've been forced, coerced, or... Uh, to do it, forced and coerced, like mm-hmm. and they're manipulated in, into it. Mm-hmm. They do not want to be there. And even if they act like they do, mm-hmm. there's reasons for that. Stockholm syndrome, fear, lies, all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would say that's the most important. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's really important work that you're doing. And it's cool to see that you really, truly have the foundation, that solid foundation to know who you are and who Christ has called you to be and to live out of that. So it's very inspiring. Thanks, Christy. And hard work, I'm sure. <laughs> so way to go. Thank you for being that light in a really hard place. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, it is very hard. I just took a break because um, uh, I needed it because uh, we ended up recently helping a, a 15-year-old um, who was a missing person. And it was beautiful you know, God let it, but it's very hard, you know, every minute trying to, to guide mm. to, because the, the system is broken. And so nobody, you know, the guys weren't arrested. Nobody was going to get her. The law enforcement knew where she was, even though there were mm. it, signs that showed like facts that she was manipulated into leaving with these guys mm. older than her, like 10, over 10 years and traveled through multiple States up and down the East coast and they still wouldn't go get her. Um, and so we were able to bring it to a different agency that went in and ended up when going to get her, which was providential and, um, which doesn't always happen, and, mm-hmm. but they didn't arrest the guys and, uh, she was trying to get back with them. And so we had to get her to somewhere safe and like, 
every step of the way, it was like fighting the system and trying to like, mm -hmm. I ended up taking her to the hospital myself because um, to be able to get her somewhere, like the next step from mm -hmm. before she ran away. Um, and then after that, then there was so much infighting mm -hmm. with organizations trying to like DSS and different organizations trying to do it, what they thought was happening and then she was lying which is normal and like accusing everybody of all of these things and so people were focusing on that instead of the mm -hmm. reality that she's trying to get back with these guys mm -hmm. you know and it was just it was so difficult you know and it's like at every every step so yeah thank you it's uh yeah we need more people to, to yeah. help in this so. yeah well we will pray and yeah continue to pray for those all the people that you're engaging with and hopefully helping along the way for sure for sure thanks christine so well done all right well on a lighter note can we take you back to your student experience and a couple of hot takes from the hill sure all right sure. as a student who was your favorite professor <sighs> that's so hard i mean literally okay I'll, i was i was trying to think about this question about which one i would choose and i really couldn't be like this is the absolute favorite because they're all are, or, <laughs> there were so many that were impactful in my life. But I would say, oh, gosh, I honestly think probably Dr. Seifert from mm. Austria. Mm -hmm. I mean, she just she's a she's an awesome person. And her teaching was just really um, I love philosophy, but mm -hmm. she just taught it in a beautiful way. And actually, I think she's my, the only female philosophy professor that I had. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was cool to to learn so much from her. Mm -hmm. So definitely. Yeah, um, great. And for our younger generation, that's Dr. Walters now. Oh, she shoot. got married, so all good. Um, and what was your favorite class? Um, I would say probably uh, Dr. Bergsma's um, biblical one. Yeah, solid, solid was, choice. Yeah, the dinosaurs on the on the <laughs> <laughs> on the chalkboard. Yeah, no, I, yeah, it was yeah, really awesome. That's awesome. And where was your favorite place to study as a student? I mean, n this isn't very exciting, but probably the library. Mm -hmm. I worked on my thesis there, and it's, I spent a lot of a lot of time. Did you have a spot? Where yeah, you hunkered two down. Spots, two okay. spots. Yeah, one by the where you could actually like the desk. You know, the round at the top, mm -hmm. the round circle, the half moon. <clears throat> I did a lot of work there, but then also way back, and I think that maybe the philosophy section was back there. I can't remember, but there was by the window that overlooked the. Um, mm. Uh, chapel. The chapel. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I would. That's, that's a where, good spot. Yeah, it was really nice. Nice. Have you ever run into an alum in an unexpected place? Yeah, especially after the first, like the first, like probably five years after school everywhere. Oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> you were in like, a lot of the big cities. Yeah, hot, yeah, yeah. Colorado, spots. Denver, like different, just different places. So, um, yeah, definitely more. Now I have, like I was on this in Charlotte walking by the tram, like, uh, used to walk to work, and uh, somebody was with an, in an angel sweatshirt. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> Franciscan, that's crazy. That's but, amazing. Yeah, and, you know, I encounter people um, through friends because mm -hmm. I'm so friends, you know, all over the place that will reconnect in different cities that I'm in. Mm -hmm. um, but they always, yeah, so it's awesome. Yeah, great. Well, Liz, thank you so much. It's so good to hear about what you're doing and the impact that you're making all over the place. So thank you for all your courage and uh, for sharing it with us and our students and all over. For sure. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Chrissy. All right. Do you know an alumni with a story to tell? We want to share legends from the entire university history and would love your suggestions. Email us at alumni at franciscan.edu. 
And I'll be back here in two weeks with a new conversation you won't want to miss.